Here's the thing I like to say about Jared's communication style. He's the kind of guy that can rip into your, or put, put his arm into your chest, rip out your heart, Dang. speak sweet nothings <laughs> of the gospel to it, and put it back mm, in put your it right chest back in. and make you say thank you. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name is Noah Oldham, lead pastor of August Gate in St. Louis, joined as always by Hayden Ratner of Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. We're here at SBC this week, annual meeting 2021, and have the opportunity to meet with leaders from the SBC from all over North America, some of our very favorites. And today we have one of those favorites of mine, Jared Wilson, author, speaker, professor, um, and all kinds of amazing things about you. <laughs> Witty Twitter. Oh, oh man, you know, dude. Good follow right here. Twitter prophet, I'm Twitter saying, prophet. man. Okay. This guy has been slaying me since before uh, he knew I, I was even around. <laughs> Here's the thing I like to say about Jared's communication style. He's the kind of guy that can rip into your, or put, put his arm into your chest, rip out your heart, Dang. speak sweet nothings of the gospel to it, and put mm, it back in put your it right chest, back in. and make you say thank you. Uh, Lock it back in. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. Seriously, man, I've been so blessed by your ministry over the years. Great. I still remember the first time I heard you speak mm. at a boot camp in St. Louis. Uh, you mm. were at a dinner uh, that night before and got to hear you share with a bunch of pastors. But then through the years, I think you've just gotten better and better. Uh, in your shepherding of, of leaders. It's almost like sanctification is real. Oh man, it is <laughs> real. It is yeah. It's almost like it's true. It is. I'm being transformed is. right now. <laughs> but I've read a, a couple of your books recently uh, and they all have the word gospel driven in them. Mm. And I thought today, what an awesome opportunity for us to talk about gospel driven church planting. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so I really wanna open it up there. Um, Jared, if you would tell us just right now, like gospel driven, why is that a phrase that you continue to latch onto? Yeah, well, for a few reasons. Number one, um, because philosophically or theologically, I think that it's the, the major emphasis of the New Testament in terms of uh, how we do life and ministry, right? So I, I tend to uh, emphasize these days kind of the major implications of it because I think we're in this kind of phase in evangelicalism or, or era, I, I, uh, I guess, where we're in danger of kind of losing the meaning of it. It's, mm. it's uh, you know, the terminology gets used a lot, you know, sure. gospel-centered this and sure. you know, gospel groups and gospel churches and gospel meals and my gospel friends are gonna have gospel fun at our gospel, you know, playground and those sorts of things. So I just kind of throw it out. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> but well, I do that. <laughs> I do that too. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yeah. If, if you don't lose what right. the meaning is, really the is substance is, if it's just about throwing labels on or identifying with a trend or a tribe, then you know, mm -hmm. then we lose something. It, it becomes yeah. it becomes shallow. So for me, yeah. it's constantly trying to bring people back to mm -hmm. seeing the the uh, uh, um, you know the substance, the essence of of gospel centrality, which I tend to break down into three uh, major implications. One is how you understand, preach, teach, study the Bible, mm -hmm. right? How how you read the Bible basically, and how you preach the Bible. Is Christ the the culmination? Is he the star of the whole book? Yeah. Right. Is the whole book about Jesus? Yeah. So that's number yeah. one. And has major implications for how you disciple people, how you preach a sermon, all those sorts of things. Um, secondly, how you answer the question, how people change, right? So every, we're always wow. answering that question, even if just implicitly in our sermons, in our disciple making, in our counseling sessions, 
in our parenting, all right. that sort of thing, right. we're implicitly answering the question how people change. Mm. And the, the gospel-centered paradigm would say, the New Testament says the way people change is by in some way being confronted or beholding the glory of Jesus. Mm -hmm. 2 Corinthians wow. chapter 3, verse 18, it's by beholding the glory of Christ with an unveiled face that we are transformed mm -hmm. from one degree of glory into another. So the so way good. people change is by seeing Jesus by the gospel. Gosh. And then thirdly, uh, where you find your validation, where you find your justification. Mm -hmm. um, gospel centrality says it's not just that uh, uh, the gospel's for lost people, and then you get saved and you move on to other things, but you're actually sanctified by that same gospel. Mm -hmm. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, first few verses, and numerous other places. So to keep coming back to the gospel, it's for the Christian. So those are kind of the three major implications and why I just am so passionate about it because we just tend to drift yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. And I just want to just keep you know, hurting people back and kind of yeah, yeah. You know, calling people back to it. That's so good. Yeah, so we think about, you know, how churches are going to be planted, healthy churches that are going to last. Yeah. Uh, just applying that gospel-driven paradigm wow. to that. Mm -hmm. um, you've been talking about the pastor's justification, yeah. like the justification of the leader and finding my identity and my validation uh, in ministry. Uh, one of the biggest aspects of church planning is this entrepreneurial spirit. Right. I remember I was actually told, I went through my first uh, church planning assessment, that I, I wasn't a church planner mm -hmm. because my score was so low. Uh, entrepreneurial score was so low, and I just said, "Well, I knew how to. I knew how to answer the questions. I'm not a risk taker. I want to. I want to know God is saying to do it, and then I'm going to do it. You know. <laughs> right, okay. But but they thought you're not a. You know, you're not going to do that. But I did. I found myself over and over again. That's the hardest place to apply the gospel to. So how do we apply the gospel to that? Yeah. The win and the success and the entrepreneurial thing. How do we do that? Well, I think it has a lot to do with just the motivation and kind of the heart uh, posture. And 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 I agree. The I, you know I think especially the lead church planner. Uh, needs to have that kind of builder mentality, kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit to them. Uh, but then to always remember in, in the midst of that, in, in all the energy being spent, that you're not building a monument to yourself or uh, you're not trying to uh, heal some wound from the past yeah. there, or you're not yeah. trying to uh, correct what everybody else has gotten wrong, at least in your own perception. Uh, sure. You're not trying to you know, build the antithesis of the church you grew up in or the church mm -hmm. that you felt you know hurt in or or something like that. That I think, what is what is actually driving you? Is it to make Jesus famous? Mm -hmm. Is it you know to expand His glory? Is it to reach the lost? Mm -hmm. um, is it really to expand the mission, or is it to just kind of build a tower? And I mm -hmm. and and I think it, the difference can be you know subtle sometimes because uh, you know if we're not you know self aware, if we're not evaluating ourselves, Helpful. we can so easily kind of fall into that. So mm -hmm. I don't think it means. Um, you know, to be gospel-centered is to squelch that kind of spirit or that kind of mentality or those, you know, those traits, but what the motivation for them is mm -hmm. and, and, and where you're putting your hope and your trust. Mm -hmm. So when things aren't going exactly as you wish they would, if, if, if people aren't showing up the way that you think that they should, if, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, the doors aren't opening the way that, you know, where does your heart go in response to that? Is it, are you completely demoralized? Are you thrown mm -hmm. into despair? Or are you yeah. trusting, okay, I just, I, I need to be faithful, put so, all of my energy into faithfulness and trust the Lord with the results. Yeah. That's kind of how the gospel helps you, mm -hmm. um, you know, curb, I guess, the sense of uh, pride and, and self-interest in those things. Mm. Yeah, kind of reminds me of a quote that I once heard Tim Keller say. He said, the gospel's not just about God's power, but it is God's That's power. That's right. Mm. And I, what I hear you saying is like the gospel's it's working its way into mm. every facet of ministry, whether that's in the academy or whether that's in the church plant that's just is launching, uh, doing that with a gospel framework, gospel motivation, 
gospel driven. Yeah. I think um, really helps the planter, uh, like myself, who you know we had 200 plus people on our launch Sunday, and week number two dropped to 86. And I thought, <laughs> man, like if it went to 50 percent, I would feel bad, but like we won't for sure. Like these people are coming back. We had a great launch Sunday, right. and then when it went below that, and that's with kids, mm. I was like. Who am I? You know, like what? Did, why even continue? You know, and I think it's the gospel that you kind of land on, yeah. and and you can you can build build back up from that. It was never about that in the first place. Yeah, I, I had to learn that lesson as well. And and actually, I, you know, I was pretty new into the gospel centered sure. thing even before it was kind of a thing. I mean, I didn't know that's what it was. I just knew what the Lord had done in my own life. Mm. And when he began to open doors for ministry for me again, and I planted a church here in Nashville, Tennessee, actually. Wow. And um, and people stayed away in droves. <laughs> we, we had, we, we had yeah. all the things that I think, I didn't have the entrepreneurial thing. I think if I was looking back, uh, uh, you know, that's yeah. something that's like, I didn't have the right uh, makeup of the team, and, and, and mm. I don't think I would do it again. But in any event, we had, you know, the elements that they say you're supposed to have, and, and it just it just wasn't working. And, it, and you know, there was a crisis of my soul every week as I'm praying for God to send just somebody else through the door. Uh, I'm glad when the band sits down so I have someone to preach to, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's and so, like, I had yeah. to, you know... Get it out was of the a, green room. I need, <laughs> I need somebody in these seats. It, it, it was the gauntlet for me, okay, of, yeah. okay, what am I in this for? Is yeah. this, is this you know, just for my own, you know, self-validation? Is this just for my own exaltation good. to feel good? Is this for my self-esteem? Or <laughs> am I in this to be faithful to the Lord and to love people. Mm. Um, and, and that really helped me because the next uh, ministry context I went to was a revitalization effort in a, in a very irreligious place, uh, very hostile to Christianity up in the Northeast. And wow. people started showing up like crazy. Wow. You know, we had all the good problems, right? Running out of seats, running out of parking spaces, all that sort of thing. And I think my experience at the church plant really helped me in that. Not that I was, you know, uh, um, you know, ne you know, never given to pride or or anything like that, but it just it it, it tempered me for when the success mm -hmm. came. Yeah. I was able to go. You know what? I've I've been through the lack, and now I'm going through the gain, and I've I've learned that Jesus is sweet in both, and I'm not gonna Love I'm that. not gonna tune my heart to either one. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not. You know, I don't want to get puffed up, and I don't want to go into despair. I I want to make sure that my validation is yeah. what Christ has done for me. Mm. Yeah, I want to I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, and not just deeper into that, something that we're working on in our church plant context is just how to have a more gospel-centered discipleship pathway. Mm. And um, I've recently gathered some different books to just help me think through this topic. One, one book I purchased was Imperfect Disciple. Okay. And I loved the name. I honestly have not read the book yet. Okay. Um, it's, in, it's in my pile. It's fantastic. It's, uh, yeah, but you should get it. Um, but I was just going to ask you just what... The, yeah. Even the name was compelling mm. because there's something about that idea that relates, yeah. if that makes sense. Talk to us about where that came from. Yeah, well, it was sort of uh, born of the idea of, you know, people who feel like most discipleship training programs or discipleship, um, you know, pathways are built for people who are kind of uh, already really good at discipleship, Got it. right? Wow. They're for the smart people, they're for the people who are you know, somewhat yeah. spiritual, that sort of thing. 
But for the rest of us who kind of feel left behind and kind of want to linger with Jesus sometimes and, <laughs> and, and you, know, you, you know, feel like it's hard to get up in the morning. Yeah. You know, we're not Christian until we've had, you know, a couple, you know, cups of coffee. Yeah. That, wow. I, I wanted to write a discipleship book for me. them. Yeah. And, and, and bring the kind of, you know, gospel-centered principles in, but in a very kind of uh, autobiographical way. So that book is very, um, it's very personal. There's a lot of storytelling in nice. it. But it's just sort of my way of saying, look, I've, I've been there. I have felt... Um, that just moving through discipleship classes, you know, the kind of churches that I grew up in had what we call discipleship training. Mm. And they had an element, uh, a necessary component of discipleship, which is teaching more information, that you're learning more about the Bible. But it was never personalized. There were never really heart-level questions. There was never kind of pressing in. There was never grabbing the heart out and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it was just, it was just you know, knowing more stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, a, yeah, and, you know, that's a means to an end, biblically. Um, you, you, know, you have to know more about the Bible. To be transformed begins with the renewing of your mind. But when that's the end into itself, it's, it, mm-hmm. it just becomes about becoming, wow. you know, sort of the cute. Bible trivia nerd or mm-hmm. just being... Yeah. really smart. And so that's the kind of discipleship that I grew up in. And so, you know, my brain was getting bigger. I knew more stuff about the Bible and more stuff about Jesus, but I didn't really feel close to him. Wow. I don't I don't think, you know, exercising it necessarily. Yeah, I didn't wow. feel like he liked me, <laughs> you yeah. know, oh, no matter how much I learned. I, I never sensed a, a closeness to him. Wow. And so that book is really kind of a remedy to say, no, it doesn't mean that we jettison learning more about the scriptures. Uh, but it's about what you do with that knowledge, as you said, and and about closeness with you know with Christ and what His approval of you is based on. Yeah, because I always so believe good. that my appro- that His approval of me was based on my performance mm-hmm. or my production, um, and to come to the radical realization that His approval of me is based on what He has done. Yeah, credited to me yeah. is just so uh, good. Yeah, it just blew up everything. So that's what the book yeah. is kind of about. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for the trailer, the, the in-person. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what the book is about. There yeah, you go. It's like reading the back cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but him reading it to you in his own voice, it's awesome. <laughs> this is great. You, uh, I hope you're willing to put on the prophet hat for just a second here. Okay. Usually you do that behind the safety of your, your keyboard sometimes, but yeah. um, you're good at it. But mm-hmm. you have not been shy to point out some of the dangers that the church can creep into, into different areas and, and right. negotiating the gospel for the sake of maybe pragmatism, yeah. other things. Speaking specifically to church planters, as a friend, not a foe, not, not because you're trying to be combative or hurt our feelings, but what are you think maybe one or two of the dangers that we could lose the gospel in for the sake of making the thing work? What are some, mm. maybe some of those dangers we can wade into? Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think you you mentioned the one that still stands out to me. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately, you know, not necessarily um, in relation specifically to church planting, but just the future of the church. Yeah, sure. And anyone who says, you know, here, this is the future of the church. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we need to get out of that prediction business a, mm-hmm. a little bit. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, only the Lord really knows the future of the church. Aside from yeah. we know that his he's going to build his church, yeah. right? Aside from that we know, right. he, you know, he will deliver his church. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of like, what are the ups and downs and mm-hmm. to the, you know, uh, as the 21st century keeps going. Good. But a few years ago, Mark Dever said the greatest threat, and this is um, uh, interesting too, right? Because everyone ha- mm-hmm. has their idea of what the greatest threat to evangelicalism is. Yeah. You know? The greatest threat yeah. is this and that and the other thing. Um, I add yours now? Yeah, I do. Well, I want to confirm what he said. So yeah, basically yeah. he said that the greatest threat indirect to evangelicalism today is, is pragmatism in the churches. And I agree mm-hmm. with that because wow. it, it can be manifested in so, so many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can be manifested in the way that sometimes we're um, tempted to downplay some of the sharper edges of biblical teaching mm. to accommodate and, right. and not make people uncomfortable. 
um, you yeah. know, kind of a holdover from what the seeker-sensitive movement kind of became. There's still elements of that. Well, I don't want to necessarily say too much about homosexuality. I don't want to say too much about, you know, some of these cultural trends because that, you know, that'll run people off, right? Yeah. And that sort of thing. Well, that, well that's a pragmatic spirit. I, you know, I want to make sure that I, you know, sugarcoat things down. But then on the other end, I think there's a kind of pragmatism that plays either to political interest or just as we talked about um, earlier, where you're putting your hope and your trust and, and, nice. and your validation. So every normal pastor and every normal church planter wants their church to grow. If you're the kind of guy that's like, I know I'm faithful because the place is shrinking, you know, right? We must be doing something right. Um, like that's abnormal, it, yeah. it, you know? Uh, um, it could be you're doing everything right and the Lord's not giving you growth. It, that could be, but it also could be that you're, you know, you're a jerk, you're lazy. It could be all kinds of things, right? Um, so pragmatically, um, I think, you know, thinking through um, how, how do we fill seats? Um, how, you know, how do, how do we reach people? And if you're trying to do, as Francis Schaeffer said, if you're trying to do, uh, um, you know, the Lord's will in the world's ways, mm. um, it's still a failure, even if you Oof. succeed, right? Hold so on. we need to do the Lord's will in the Lord's ways. Wow. Um, and, and, and that counts as success. Wow. So that to me, I think, is, is still the great danger because... Pragmatism just plays out on so many different levels. Yeah. And it's different than practicality. I think some people have the misconception about you know, the gospel-centered thing that it um, is antithetical to systems and organization, administration, and all those sorts of things. Um, I think there's things to be, we can be pragmatic about. When I walk into a church building, I wanna know where the bathroom is, knowing the optimal place to put the sign, be totally pragmatic about that, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you start getting into the overlap of people's souls and hearts, I think being practical is important, but being pragmatic where you turn the practical into a formula. If I do this, mm. I will get that. If I push these buttons, I will get this result. If I'm not getting the result, it's because I haven't pushed the right buttons. Mm. That is so antithetical to spirituality and the supernaturality. Yeah. And that's kind of my big beef with pragmatism is it basically says we don't really need the Holy Spirit yeah. we, because we know exactly what to do. We know the strategies, you know, the techniques, all those sorts of things. And so our trust ends up being there. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where um, my major concern has been and, and, and continues to be. And the gospel becomes a sideshow uh, or something yeah. that, that tries to undergird this pragmatism. We, we use it when it fits, but if it doesn't fit, we kind of right. leave it to the side. And right. man, that's good. That's challenging because church planting, yeah. entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. all those leaders, it's getting things done. And it's what making things work and what's yeah. the win. And, and often we know that fruit in from the gospel isn't often quick, it isn't often apparent, it takes time. Yeah. yeah. I think this is really important right now because, you know, the SBC in, you know, in particular is, we've been trying to troubleshoot this decline, declining baptisms, declining membership, um, you, know, for several, you know, for several years now. And it's, it's, you know, sounding more and more dire, right, as we go. And mm. the solutions always seem to be, well, here's the new initiative, here's the new program, here's the new, you know, event we're gonna to do to, to get everybody on the same page, all these sorts of things. And there's nothing wrong with initiatives and events and programs and all that sort of deal. But in, in, in the heart of it, in, in, in the root of it, what are we trusting mm. um, you know, to, to bring about the fruitfulness? Is it our efforts or is it the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think uh, um, it behooves us to be repentant, to be self-evaluative, to be faithful to the mission it could be we're not reaching people because we're not being evangelistic enough. That's mm -hmm. a complete possibility. It's also possible, knowing what the, the Bible says about the supernaturality of the gospel, the power of the gospel, 
that we are seeing an increase in church planning and evangelism, and it's just, for whatever reason, out of season. Mm. We can't reach into someone's heart and flip on the I love Jesus switch. <laughs> we can tell them. Well, according to Noah, you can't. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I no, couldn't e- help Even it. I cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. But we can tell okay. people about Jesus. We can spread the seed far and wide, but yeah. we can't control what kind of soil it lands on. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that can't be an excuse for not being faithful. So That's please right. don't hear what I'm not saying. That's mm-hmm. such a good word. But I think sometimes remind. we just leave the supernaturality of the thing completely out of the equation, right? Yeah. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who gave the growth. That's right. So one thing that I think could be missing, um, you know, apart from that, is is just prayer, like massive yeah. prayer. Lord, Helpful. send workers into the harvest. Lord, give us a harvest. Yeah. Um, so you know, prayer is how we show we actually believe in in the Holy Spirit. Wow. <laughs> how we believe in the third person of the Trinity. Jared, before we close things down here, um, the listenership, the viewership, a lot of plant, planters, pastors, people in our network. Um, what's one thing you want to encourage them in today? Well, if I could encourage uh, anybody in anything, it would be to know that when you wake up in the morning, the Lord is not saying, show me what you got. <laughs> I'm, I'm withholding my judgment till I see how your day goes. Gosh. Wow. Uh, and no matter how the day goes, when you put your head down on that pillow at night, um, Man, he's not so saying, good. I thought you were better than this. <laughs> he, Man, he's saying, my beloved, my dear child. Didn't I tell um, you? <laughs> you? You can't out his grace. There's no amount of mistakes or mess ups that's gonna have him put you on Fresh. the outs. Uh, you wake up into the favor of God, you go to bed into the favor of God. That is so centering and helpful for me and, and I hope and pray it will be for yeah. uh, your planters as well. Man. No, I know we need to wrap, but whenever we have somebody that has some affiliation with Midwestern, I just wanna uh, <laughs> just put one, I wanna shoot one quick shot. You know, you got the Spurgeon Hall of Fame okay. there. Yeah. What's one thing that maybe our list, as a Spurgeon fan myself, yeah. that maybe we wouldn't know about his life or about something that, that I just recently learned Spurgeon had 66 organizations that he started. Yeah. I was like, what, who does that? But <laughs> give us a Spurgeon yeah. fact that maybe we wouldn't know. Oh, well, did you know uh, uh, that the Southern Baptists uh, wanted to kill him <laughs> because of his stance, on, his stance uh, against slavery? Wow. wow. Yeah, so, so they, they put these ads in the paper. If he ever comes to he the United States, in fact, he never came to the United States, and some think that's why, because he had death threats because he was uh, opposed to slavery. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to Spurgeon. <laughs> Spurge. Shout we out love Spurge. him now. We yeah. love him now. But we wanted to kill him then. Man, wow, man. Man. Thanks well, for yeah, sharing. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Hey, Always great to have to have you, in, you in, in my atmosphere. I tell you, I'm gonna start crying as he's talking here at the end, <laughs> yeah, yeah, preaching yeah. the gospel to me. And we hope you were edified today and encouraged. And we wanna see a healthy multiplying church in every community across North America. And that comes, that comes from understanding who we are in the gospel and identity in Jesus Christ. If you wanna know more about church planning with Ascend Network, That's good. check us out at sendnetwork.com or text the phrase Send Network to 888-123. That's Send Network to 888 888- one, two, three. Subscribe to this podcast, share it with somebody, it could be helpful. And until next time, we are Sin Network. You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.